everybody and welcome back to B2B NAV and this week we have a special guest with us in the form of Minka Egling, one of our uh, strategy managers here at BDB. So myself and Minka have been working across a whole variety um, of strategy and planning and brand strategy projects in recent months and we've seen some commonality in some areas that our clients are struggling with and um, some areas um, sort of kind of some common pitfalls and some common challenges we're coming up against and I thought rather than Myself and Ollie debating this one, we'd get one of the experts in the room to uh, take the conversation forward with us. So welcome, welcome Minka, welcome to the podcast. Um, don't be nervous, nobody bites, <laughs> I promise, we'll be, you're in good company. So in terms of, I guess, strategy is one of those phrases that we always hear kind of banded around in business, in marketing, and we can come on to kind of how those strategies might tie together. But what does strategy mean to you in the sense of when, when you hear it and obviously you work in it and you've chosen to go down that route? What does it mean for you, the word strategy? Yeah, so for me, because like you said, there's so many different types of strategy, whether it's business, brand, marketing, but what is central to it is really understanding where you are, mm -hmm. understanding where you want to be and everything that's between mm -hmm. where you are and where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and then really just making decisions about how you want to approach the challenges that are between you and where you want to go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then setting actionable um, actions and measurable actions uh, to really achieve that goal that is in the future. Okay, so you see, we're seeing a lot of businesses at the minute, I think in particular from the agency perspective, like ourselves, you know, marketing agencies slowly moving towards more communications, consultancies and the old game of like management consultancy in a way and I guess you know we're working on a lot of brand strategy projects at the minute yeah but you end up naturally going further back into the business as well to understand the business objectives which flow to the marketing objectives which flow to the brand objectives as it may be to kind of get you across that piece how have you found that because I guess we're speaking to a lot of different stakeholders and a lot of different relationship holders yeah. in those in those projects um, do you think marketing gets the respect it deserves to to, to be at the table for those conversations in a way. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at business strategy, that's probably more like the vision, the mission, mm -hmm. um, setting the strategic objectives of the business. And the way I see brand strategy is like the face of the business yep. strategy. Yep. So bringing that to life, articulating that perhaps in a more creative way. Mm -hmm. um, and really, um, especially for corporate or company brands, helping employees to really understand and articulate that brand strategy mm -hmm. um, and having a common goal of where you're going. Mm -hmm. um, and then marketing is more the tactical elements, yep. the right product at the right time, at the right price, mm -hmm. um, and really bringing that to life in a more tactical way. Um, versus the brand. I, on, on that point, that's interesting because it links into one of the other things I was going to ask you about, but in, the, in relation to, obviously, people are very comfortable speaking about where they are now. Yeah. And quite often with, with strategy work, it's speaking about that vision, that mission of where you ideally want to be. So quite often, I think with clients, when we're working with them, we will jump around a bit today, but it takes them out, the, out of the comfort zone quite a lot. So I often quite find it when we present back, yeah. based on everything they've told us, everything they've said they want to be and all their aspirations and we said great this is you this is where you need to be then and you get this kind of awkward that's not us though you know that kind of reaction that you get and we've had it on calls and that that uncomfortable nature what, what do you think what, what do you think gives rise to that 
despite all the all the insights and the interviews that are not everything they've given you in that, in that process yeah that's what i really enjoy about the bdb process is that we get to interview all these internal stakeholders mm -hmm. really understand where the business is going in a sense that you you understand the business objectives not just from uh, the top-down approach but really how the business objectives are shaping mm -hmm. the function of the business mm -hmm. um, and then being able to articulate where the business is going you're able to do so in a way that's more authentic mm -hmm. um, and in the words of the actual employees I find it really interesting when you play it back to them and when you say this is this is what you've told us where you want to be as a business and then that tends to kind of make them mellow slightly into it. Yeah. Oh, actually, I did say that. And you can see the faces as they, as they recall that they're at that moment when they felt a bit braver and a bit more confident in the interview of where they want to be. And usually you do find that the different departments, whether it's a technical person or a marketing person, they end up saying the same things just in different ways mm -hmm. of where they do see the company going. Mm -hmm. um, and then if there is a disconnect, then that is something that you can address. Yep. But usually there is consensus. Because even if it isn't written, it is understood where your business is going yeah. often. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think one of the things you touched on there, which is interesting to kind of dig a little bit deeper into, is obviously BDB has, we have our approach to strategy, which yeah. has been heavily influenced by since you've joined us in terms of the direction that we want to take it in. Um, and I'm sure anybody could Google business strategy models and you'll find hundreds of different models and, and templates and ways of doing things. And there's not necessarily a right or a wrong way to do these things. There's just a preferred approach and most of it with ours is steeped in kind of your know, research and insights and we want to make sure it goes beyond the classic marketing fluff of just coming up with some crazy strap line it's got to be informed and you know have that kind of substance that's behind it how much research is enough research in your mind I realize this is a very difficult question by the way but I mean it in the sense of we get asked it a lot by clients particularly around should we be speaking to internal people, external people, how many people, and particularly with bigger businesses that are multi-region, multi-sector. Yeah. What, what's your take on that? Well, just to use like the academic research approach, I yeah. suppose it's when you reach a saturation point, so when you're starting to hear the same things over and over again, yeah. that's when you know you can stop with a certain route, where, like for example, quantitative or qualitative data once, you hear the same results, mm -hmm. then you know, okay, you've roughly got your direction. Yeah. Um, and then triangulation of data. So it is about desk research and then speaking to, for example, internal stakeholders, validating that with what external stakeholders are saying. Um, yeah, so using three different research approaches usually works because mm -hmm. then you can ensure that you are getting to a point um, and it's not just skewed by what one stakeholder group thinks, for yep. example. And I think the importance of that external validation as well. So I think, yeah. you know, it's very much so, to say, part of the kind of the, the trifecta that you've described there. But you'd be amazed, and I, I don't think echo your projects that you've worked on before BDB, but the number of companies that don't, don't include that external validation, that they're very keen for you to speak to their team about what they want to be. But unless you know really the customer side or the, or the key stakeholders side of, uh, of the coin, very difficult to kind of get that validation, I guess, in play. Mm. And it is, it's, that's what's great about doing it internally, is that you can shape the conversation, you can shape the research in a way that can be used. Mm -hmm. I think that's very difficult if you're using external 
research company, which is maybe why some clients were opposed to the research. Mm -hmm. It's also expensive, I guess, as well. Exactly. I mean, the way, the way we do it is it's obviously part of the uh, encompass fee, but if you do go to an external, you go for like a mass market research yeah. or the survey, obviously you, you pay a, a, big, a big premium to actually to do that work as well. But without that external validation, I think a lot of people think they know a lot about their customers. Mm. So they talk around customer centricity and what a customer centric organization they are. And when you actually dig deeper into what do they know about their customers, sometimes they may have a lot of data, by the way, a lot of some companies, but also a lot of companies are quite out of date sometimes as well with the knowledge. Yeah. Um, as is up to date with it, and particularly in some of the sectors that we're working with, I'm thinking of like the personal care and the cosmetics that you're working in in the minute. Yeah. So fast paced and so, so fast moving that six months you could be out of date to an extent maybe maybe even, maybe even less arguably but yeah. know, it, it changes so quickly doesn't it it's also about knowing where to hone in on because mm -hmm. often when you you speak to internal employees it's it's this range of things that they can provide mm -hmm. as a company and then it's really hard to know where to pinpoint the direction mm -hmm. i mean that's what the external validation really helps you to do yeah yeah Okay, and then one of, one of the other things, I was thinking about different things that we could touch on, different issues that have cropped up on projects, not issues, but discussion points, I guess, on projects at the minute. And one yeah. of these points is the competition. So mm. when, we, when we do our work, we will we'll do a, like a, a competitor profiling, competitor assessment. How important is that in the grand scheme of strategy? Because I've, I've seen other clients that ignore the competition, not bothered about them. And I've got some clients that are obsessed with the competition because they're desperate to make sure they're, they're different and we can come on to that but what, what, what do you think on that front yeah it is dangerous you i mean the whole idea of brand positioning is that you are positioning against the competition mm -hmm. so definitely can't be ignored mm -hmm. and then on the other hand you don't want to copy what the competition is doing in such a way that you are just directly positioned as the competition mm -hmm. so you want to find that gap so really comp you know, the competitor analysis is more about opportunity mm -hmm. assessment and the gap analysis. Yeah. Um, and then understanding um, how you can articulate your brand message in a way that is, yeah, you know, whether it's differentiated or just um, distinctive. I think that's a really yeah. important point, though. I do think that's really important because we get a lot of clients and contacts that are obsessed with being different or unique yeah. or wanted to stand out or cut through the noise or whatever it may be and also within certain sectors you're obviously faced with not not a, not a challenge but just a, ch a challenge in, in different in differentiate differentiation if i can speak yeah in the sense of there's not always that clear hook to make somebody different and i think that's where for me it comes into being more authentic or consistent in the messaging that you maybe you're shaping so if it is a very tight tightly fought area of the market and everybody has a similar offering mm. you're, you're obviously searching for those, you know, those USPs that will make somebody want to work with you but where there isn't anything genuinely unique and you do find yourself we've been there sometimes looking yeah. at it going like it's just so similar um, you know it's more then, then I think that's where the brand and the messaging and the communication strategy really comes into its own note of either if there's a lack of differentiation make that the focus that there is a lack of differentiation be more playful or whatever it may be yeah um but it plays a bigger part in it for me yeah so. yeah perhaps for a challenger brand it's more important to be differentiated or to be distinctive to yeah. really challenge what is happening in the market mm -hmm. but especially with the brands we work on that are so global mm -hmm. much bigger uh, much bigger presence often the market leader mm -hmm. um, then to own a position is more important yeah um, and to stand your ground even if others are moving into it mm -hmm. uh, because you have the heritage to really own it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. And I guess what what would you consider kind of the common pitfalls to be? So, so you know, we get engaged by a client. They say they want to look at some brand strategy work, evolve the brand. And I'm focusing on brand purposely today. Obviously, the strategy is way much much broader than that. I think it's more relevant to our clients. What are some of the common pitfalls you tend to see on the projects that you work across, or areas of difficulty that the client or agency mm. may experience? Um, yeah, I mean, I was working here for a few months and I read this book by Richard Rumel called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and just like everything he said was just so, um, like on the nose, just so relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about fluff, mm-hmm. um, which is like all the gibberish that's yeah. around strategy um, and marketing. And in B2B, that is even more so because of all the technical jargon Mm -hmm. um so yeah so you can't just like uh, focus on these strategic concepts and arguments that mean nothing Mm -hmm. like you really have to cut through the fluff um also not facing the challenge head-on so setting objectives that just aren't objectives really Mm -hmm. um and sometimes you know you you'll get a brief it's not completely the, the, the objectives don't really articulate the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's why these internal uh, calls and interviews are so important because yep. it helps you understand if the strategic objectives that are set are really the objectives that should be set yep. um, or if they need revising. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mistaking goals for strategy. So often you'll be, you know, uh, like an objective will be we want to be the number one uh, just for the sake of an example personal care brand yeah. internationally yeah. and that's although it could be a vision isn't exactly it's more, an of an objective. Out, it's more of an outcome I guess of delivering the vision or the yeah. mission yeah. so you need to set objectives to get to that goal mm-hmm. um, I think particularly where you've got the gap where you've got the you know where they are today versus where they want to be and you say it's that kind of communications and marketing that plays the part of bridging that gap yeah so you need objectives that you're going to keep incrementally moving you along don't you to an extent so yeah yeah, exactly. So not not setting those objectives in a way that's actionable and measurable. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah, that, that makes it really difficult to then start with the strategy. So you really have to get that foundation right. Yeah. And then the, the brand strategy starts. And I mean, you, we've had feedback from clients that say we help them understand their business better than they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the brand exercises. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And in terms of brands that you see getting it right or brands that you've worked on maybe I mean don't reference our own clients here at the minute that we're working on but in the sense of you know you, you've, you've worked in and around strategy for a number of years now I'm sure you still have brands that you look to for that kind of inspiration yeah who's, who's on your hit list no definitely I mean I've got you know the classics I'm always referring to Coca-Cola mm-hmm. but I won't today kind of <laughs> I have now <laughs> but even even again even again their brand I mean that's more brand I guess but it's still strategy at the minute the way they pivoted during the pandemic and the new branding that they've thrown out it's, it's always clever yeah. it's always subtle and something small but it's so clever the way they do it and so good impactful. and like and to stake your business on something that's so international mm. like the idea of happiness mm-hmm. but I must say okay from a B, B2B perspective DSM is really yeah. inspiring yeah um, so coming back to that idea of like what strategy is mm-hmm. um, and understanding where you are, they were in t- what like before 2010, they were just this Dutch local company, mm-hmm. um, and they had this, you know, in terms of the sense of the direction they wanted to go and they wanted to be international. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a very saturated market. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's basically a chemical company. Mm-hmm. Um, and to differentiate themselves then in that market, 
they had to find an unmet need mm -hmm. and they found that in sustainability mm -hmm. um yeah so that's more uh, like their assessment of where things stood they did so much research I think the authenticity that stands behind it for them, and I mean now, now I don't think anybody would even think of them as a, as a chemicals company. Exactly. It's, it's, you know the the role that they play, but they were so clear and unswerving in that vision of where they wanted to be. And I guess that along the way, I'm sure there were many doubters and yeah. many uh, people distractions that would try to take them off piece. But I think, you know, having having worked with them for a long time, but also. Um, having understood their story, it just seems they were so dedicated to say, this is where we're going. And, they, and I imagine every year they probably had it in the boardroom of, this is where we're going, we've got to stick with this guy, you yeah. know, to kind of like cut through it. But. And not just to say, you know, we want to be international, we want to be international, but they found sustainability mm. to be an innovation to be where they wanted to go. Yeah. So that was definitely something that everyone could then get on board with, yeah. to be, okay, we want to be sustainable. You know, 80% of our product portfolio, 100% of our product portfolio is going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the CEO won like the UN Humanitarian of the Year Award. Mm -hmm. um, but like that aside, their profitability shot up, and they became mm -hmm. this international company. Yeah. And they were known for life sciences and material sciences, and not just this local Dutch chemical company. But you can and imagine brand, if that if that had yeah. been mentioned. X many years ago when the strategy was set, you'd have probably been laughed out of the room. Yeah. You know, genuinely, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, if you'd have thought the CEO of what was a chemicals company back in the day would be recognised for that kind of award, you know, it's phenomenal to yeah. an extent. But I think that unswerve, unswerving, unwavering vision of this is what we want to be and then to have actually delivered it, that's what I'm most impressed by. Yeah. You know, my love of execution matters and the fact they've actually done it. Exactly. They've not just said it, they've not just produced a glossy board pack and something pretty for everybody to look at with this vision that you tell your team and then never refer to again. They've, they've done it and they've been there and done it and I think yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and I love that they've found that gap mm -hmm. and they um, and it was an unmet customer need. Mm -hmm. So it was really needed in at the time mm -hmm. and through meeting it, that's how they became profitable. So like a, a B2C example is probably like a Tesla. Yeah. Now Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Yeah. It's not because he wants to save the world through electric cars, mm -hmm. but because there was such a demand for electric cars yeah. and then the branding on top of that really helped to push it further. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really inspiring, these really like forward-facing brands. Well, they are, but I think, I think the forward-facing aspect of it is what really probably gets them on your list in terms of because you think it's the sustainability aspect of DSM before it's time you know in the sense of really I imagine you know now everybody's everybody greenwashing is quite a big thing isn't it? everybody jumping yeah. on the sustainability bandwagon it's got to be part of most companies strategy or CSR or sustainability initiatives in some way um, but the fact they were so far ahead they've now got years of advantage and a head start mm -hmm. on people that enables you to be that more bit more consistent authentic and more that voice of authority on the topic, I guess. Exactly. So. And it's, it's risky. It's really hard mm. to take that risk, but it was good. I'd love to have been in the boardroom. I always think that. I'd love to have been in the boardroom when those discussions I had and listen to the people that say, that's not, no, no you can't do that. It'll never yeah, happen. Exactly. You know, just as a, just as a, a bit, bit for fun. Okay. I mean, we literally could debate strategy all day with you, because I mean, there's so many different areas we can go into. But I guess, what, what is it you love about strategy? Because obviously you've, you've, you've chosen this as your career path, like people do almost like creative or um, content or different areas of marketing and um, strategy runs wider for me but what what is it for you that keeps you interested and and you know 
gets you out of bed in the morning ultimately to come and work on the types of projects you do yeah i think it's it's a little bit different in b2b versus b2c mm-hmm. strategy um in b2b what i've really enjoyed is being able to see the whole value chain yeah. um whereas in b2c you almost think that you know it could sometimes feel like it's your whole world mm-hmm. um but when you then enter the B2B space, you realize it's that like, the marketing aspect is a tiny, tiny portion of mm-hmm. this crazy world of everything that goes on behind the scenes to make a product that you see in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's been really eye-opening mm-hmm. and really like changed my perspective on it. I think, it, uh, yeah, it's very technical, but I think also maybe it's the exposure you get to all the different parties isn't it it's what I find yeah. interesting because you're not just speaking to the marketing function or the comms exactly. team you're speaking to the R&D team and you're speaking to their suppliers and really technical people sometimes which certainly stretch uh, my mind I'm yeah. sure as well as yeah. yours you're like tra- <laughs> keeping pace with some of the more uh, technical R&D people but in the sense of the different personas that you do meet throughout the process exactly and it just keeps it really interesting and yeah. really helps when you are trying to find those hooks Quite often, it's not you don't find them from the people you think you will. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's one of those side conversations you have with somebody that you wouldn't have thought about necessarily, but um, you know, really triggers something in the brain that makes you think, "Ah, oh, that, that's it. We've got it now, and we can move through it together." But like you think you understand like your beverage, but mm. you really don't understand that goes <laughs> everything. The, the, goes there's so many different variables for yeah. sure, for sure. And then um, I'll close on this as a question for you, if I may. And I, I've not prepped you for this, so apologies. I'm going to put you on the spot. But in terms of I always think I'm always thinking about what's next. It's part of my role uh, as, the, as the CEO of BDB to make sure we continue to evolve and evolve our service offering. And obviously, we're working on our strategic service offering together at the minute. But what's next for strategy? Because for me, it's always my take. It's always mm. going to be it's always going to be a thing. Clearly, you've got to have a strategy in some way of where you where you're heading. Most businesses without a strategy tend to fail, um, and to some extent. But what do you think the future involves for strategy in terms of making those strategic recommendations and shaping those kind of things up? And I'll give you a clue if you want, in my mind. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm not trying to put you on the spot at all. It's more of a, because we've seen more data, more digital, more analytics coming into everything. Do you think that will influence the way people carry out a strategic consideration? Or do you think it'll still go off what the kind of similar methods to what we do now? Yeah, data and analytics is really interesting. I think that will probably be used more as a research methodology. But um, in terms of where the industry is going at the moment, because the market is so saturated, Mm -hmm. so many messages out there, Mm -hmm. and a lot of B2C brands are more based on performance messaging Mm -hmm. than real brand building at the moment. But in B2B, there's definitely this opportunity for brand building mm-hmm. um, and really aligning the brand to the business strategy mm-hmm. which sounds like what you should be doing but actually there's been a huge disconnect over the years yeah. though, and I think that's where I think that's what I, that's what I personally find interesting working in marketing and communications at the minute that really you are talking business strategy yeah um, to yeah. the extent you're talking about naming conventions of groups and teams and business structures and is it right is it wrong is it and it's not it's way beyond a color palette and an image which i think is what a lot of people think about brand they instantly go oh okay it's that and it's it's not there's so much more behind it um but yeah no i think it, i think it'd be really interesting to see where it goes mm. as kind of a it's always going to be a part part of the mix but in terms of how people 
reach the answers or the conclusions. Mm. It's yeah. definitely the year of the strategic consultancy. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. For the next few years. I think it is. I think yeah. I think it particularly is as an agency, if you want to evolve into something more than a tactical agency. Yeah. Um, exactly. I mean, we, we've been very clear on that as our identity that we we don't really want to play in the tactic space in terms of you know deliver me a brochure or yeah. an ad or mm-hmm. you know we, we, we can do that but that's not typically the way we operate with our clients so lots more to come there thank you very much for joining yeah, us thank you thanks Minka. Um, in terms of um, recommendations of some reading for our viewers and our listeners um, I would direct you towards um, www.b2bknowledge.com our online ungated content hub helping our clients and prospects navigate the ever-evolving b2b marketing landscape where coincidentally this month's edition is all around strategy so if you've got any questions or comments feel free to get in touch thanks again and we'll see you next week cheers